My name is Tim Pennings. I'm uh, the chair of the math department at Davenport University. I've been there for about six years now, and before that, I was at uh, Hope College for 25 years. Uh, chair of the department, and professor, and such, in charge of student research for the math department. So, I've uh, been around a little bit. I taught at uh, Kalamazoo College for a semester, and it's kind of fun to get different different experiences. Uh, all through my life, I, 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 I think that teaching is uh, um, one part of teaching, anyway, is entertainment, and, and I have a really poor attention span myself, and so I can really empathize with people who need to have something that keeps them going and keeps them intrigued, so I kind of work that into my teaching as much as I can, and so I've always kind of been keeping track of fun gags and puzzles and, and games and challenges and so on, and, and I've got enough of them now. I taught a class to, uh, at Davenport to, um, as part of our urban education program, uh, graduate program, and I collected a whole bunch of them together to give to those students, and once I collected them together, I thought I might as well go on the road with this and see who else is interested. So that's what this talk is about. So uh, before I go any further, I gave everyone a sentence on a sheet of paper. Uh, don't look at anyone else's, just your own, but go ahead and read it. And then after just reading your sentence, uh, count the number of Fs. Count the number of Fs in your particular sentence. Are you comparing sentences? No, no I said for nerds a trick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to get things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's see. How many have a sentence with three Fs? Raise your hands. Okay, very good. Most of yeah. How many have one with four? I'm trying to remember how many, which ones I gave out. With five? Uh, with six? Okay, I think, I think all sentences are one of those. Okay, so, um, so I, I, I have a kind of a rough idea of how many, how many of each one I handed out. So I think some of you might not have caught them all. So come again, just to make sure. Come again, your particular sentence. Especially you two ladies over here, don't want anything wrong. Nothing tricky about this, just the number of Fs. Oh, dog! Don't say anything. The hardest part about this is to keep people quiet, okay? It really is. Okay? Everyone good? Simple enough. How many uh, sentences with three? Okay, uh, one, two, three, four, uh, probably over half. Uh, four? Uh, one? Uh, five? Six? Oh, uh, okay, so a couple of them. Three, six. Okay, very good. Okay, now again, no talking, no talking. Um, I'm not gonna, just in, just in the interest of time, although this is fun to kind of extend over a little more time, I'm gonna tell you something. Can you anticipate what I'm going to tell you? You all have the same sentence. Don't look at anyone else. Well, now you can look at each other's, but no talking, no talking. You all have the same sentence. So at very most, I might have maybe, maybe got one bad one in there. Uh, so everyone, I think, has six Fs, unless you happen to have one that only has three. <laughs> okay, no, no, no talking, no talking, no talking. Oh my. Wow. Don't say anything. 
How many are still sure that they have one with just three? How many only count three? Still a couple of them, okay? You, you guys? I got all of them now. Six, six, okay. So this is interesting, right? Three or four times, and we still have a couple of people. This is a great way to, to win Snicker bars and various things from friends. Uh, and so, again, th this is really, it's, it's interesting, it's intriguing. Uh, which ones are they missing, the people who are only getting three? Uh, uh, there's three outs. There's three outs in each sentence. Everyone see that? There's three outs. And I'm like, how did you three? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it's super, super interesting. And uh, the reason why you don't count them, we just counted the number of F's in your sentence. So if you want to, just count the number of F's in there. Uh, although I'm going to be kind of giving it away, uh, plug your ears. Um, uh, the, the, the reason is because I, I was very clear. I said, count the number of F's, and, and you're counting the sound, right? Files. And the B sound, right? So it's a small word, all that, but it's really the B sound. You're counting the F sound, right? So anyway, so really interesting. So, so that ties into this talk. Ben, I didn't see you, by the way. How many did you get? I had six. You had six, right? Oh, okay, right, 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 right. Sure. <laughs> he knows to be especially terrible at anything I get. Um, so anyway, I got more of those. If, if, if you want a couple of them, you can make copies of them. They're, they're a lot of fun. And, and the reason I like them is because the name of this talk is Mathematical Surprises and Challenges. But really, a, a, maybe a better title for the talk is Limitations of the Human Mind. Because the only reason why these things from mathematics are a surprise to us is because our minds are, for whatever reason, jumping to the wrong conclusion, right? They're easily fooled. And that's a cool thing to know. I mean, just, just you, 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 you have this fun time with your students. I, I was going to make a book called Five Minutes Before Class, where you just do these kinds of things with your students for five minutes before class begins. Great way to use them and to have fun with them, for them to see the fun of mathematics and so on. But another thing they should be learning, and you can be learning with them, is just that how easily is the human mind fooled. And that's not a bad thing to learn early in life, okay? It'd be nice if, if some of, if more of our leaders and politicians had a little of that humility. Uh, but anyway, so, so anyway, I'm going to sh just share with you a whole bunch of them, and, and I'll give you a handout afterwards, which is about uh, 22 pages long, with all the things on here. I'll get through maybe a fourth of them probably a fifth of them, and you'll have all of them plus all the solutions, everything. So you can just pick and choose which ones you want for your classes, okay? So you don't have to take any notes or anything in here, right? just, just have fun. Okay, so the, the very first one is one of the simplest, but it's also my favorite, one of my favorites. Uh, if you look at the Earth, the Earth um, is very, very close to 25,000 miles around at the equator, okay? The circumference of the Earth at the equator is uh, just within a hair's breadth of, of 25,000 miles, okay? So if you were to take a rope and lay it along the equator, assuming it's nice and flat the whole way, all the way around, uh, it would be a 25,000 mile rope. Everyone with me? So here's the question. How much, and if you know the answers to any of these, just uh, keep quiet just for the sake of, of the others. Uh, if, if you don't know, go ahead and Throw out any ideas you have. Um, so the question is this. How much would you have to add to that rope? What added length does that rope need in order to lift it a foot above the earth at every point? So instead of lying right on the earth, it is now a foot above the earth all the way around, all the way around. Are you picturing that? Can you picture that? So it's a foot above, 
Um, how much did you have to add to it in order to, to get it a foot above the earth? And I just, I don't want you to figure it out. Uh, we'll do that in just a minute. I want your intuition. I want your, just your gut feeling. What, what do you think? It's 25,000 miles around, and you're going to lift it one foot above the earth all the way around. What, how much would you need to add to it? Thoughts? Just, just your gut feeling. <laughs> Anyone? Just a gut feeling. What's that? Um, no, no wrong answers when you're given a gut feeling. No wrong answers nothing. at all. What's that? Nothing. Uh, okay, that's interesting. But, but, but it's not elastic, so you do, have, you, do, you do have to lift it up a little bit, right? So you have to lift it up above the earth. So, so actually, so we'll, we'll keep that as one, as one extreme will be zero, to add zero to it, right? So you're lifting it up, up above the earth, so there would be one extreme. What, what, are, what are some other options? Six feet. Six feet. Six feet. Okay, this is interesting. Some other options. Four thousand what? Miles or feet or what? Feet. Four thousand feet. Okay. I'll, I'll just my, my uh, an engineering friend asked me this when I was in grad school, and I just said I don't know ten thousand miles. I, that was my. I just I just thought oh, how much are you gonna have to add? That was my that was my that was my guess. It's just totally a gut feeling. Any others? Okay, well, I won't, won't, uh, won't uh, um, let, you, let you be in control of what, what we do here. But, um, but it turns out, if, um, what, what's, let's, let's use this as a way to do a few other things. What's the, what's the definition of pi? Ratio, ratio. Oh, very nice. Okay, you ask most students what's pi, and what will they tell you? 3.14. They give you the value of it. But yes, exactly. Pi is the ratio of the circumference to the diameter, right? Pi is the pi is the length of circumference by the diameter. So what I do with my pre-calc classes when I teach in now Davenport is I grab, I get a whole bunch of uh, extension cords and pieces of rope and things like that, and I go out into the athletic field or the parking lot or whatever, and I have one person stand here with it as the center, and the other person take the number of paces to go around. They pace around in nice even paces, 25, 26, 27, whatever, and then they pace straight across, pop, 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 and then they take the ratio of those two. And they have different lengths and all that kind of stuff, and they come to you know somewhere around three. And that's my way of trying to explain to them that's what pi is. It's, it's just that ratio. So so the circumference, the circumference is equal to pi times the diameter. And you agree that the diameter is two times the radius. There's the radius. There's another radius. So you could put two times the radius there. And so you get the circumference is 2 pi times the radius. So that's for any circle. So here's the radius of the Earth. It's roughly around 4,000 miles. And we know it's around 25,000 miles across. And the question is, how far, how much do you have to add to this rope? So the way to get the answer is, even though this is in miles, we're dealing with one foot above. So let's let R be the radius of the Earth in feet. Okay, so R is the distance from the center of the Earth to the 
to the to the uh, circumference in feet. Everyone agreed? That's 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 that. And so the distance around is going to be two pi times r. That's the distance around the Earth in feet. Everyone with me? So this is the radius in feet, and so two pi times that is the distance around. Now, so that's the length of the original rope. Now what are you going to do? You're going to take the rope, and it's going to be two pi, but now instead of r, it's going to be how many feet? R plus one, right? It's going to be r plus one feet. So r plus one instead, that's going to be your new length. And the question is, what's the, what's the difference between those two? And so you subtract one from the other, and you get 2 pi r plus 2 pi minus 2 pi r, boom, boom, 2 pi feet, roughly 6 feet. Uh, not quite, though, so I'm not going to give you a full credit for that. Okay? So 6 feet, so actually 0 is awfully close to the right answer as well. Okay, it, but uh, I mean, I just thought it's going to be some big number. It turns out not, six feet, which blows my mind. I mean, it, it's sim simple algebra, just the distributive property, right? Nice, nice way to explain what pi is, definition of pi, six feet. And then you can explain, okay, that's for the earth. What about for the sun? How much would you have to add in order to get one foot above the sun? Same thing again, right? Doesn't matter what it is. What about around the whole solar system? I mean, it just boggles your mind. It just, it, it's true, but, but it, shows, it shows me somehow in my thinking, it's, it's just goofed up. I just, why is my thinking that poor? But I, it just, something, something is wrong, okay? So it, it shows the limitation of my thinking. Okay, here's another one. This one is one you may have seen before, but just in case someone hasn't, I want to make sure that everyone is aware of it. You take a, just a little piece of paper like this, and you uh, just uh, tape it right like that. So you got yourself a little, a little uh, strip like this. And I like to think of it as if you have a, an ant on one side and a spider on the other, uh, and they can, neither of them can get around the edge, then that ant is totally safe, right? There's no way that spider, if the spider's on the outside and the ant's on the inside, there's no way they're ever going to find each other. They can live for eternity on the two sides of that piece of paper. And if I take this thing and I take the scissors and I slice it right down the middle and like so and go all the way around and come back to where I started, what's going to happen by the time I get back to the starting point? My final strip, what's going to be the case? I'll have two, right? I'll be able to pull them apart. No surprise. Right? Okay. okay, for the next set, oh no, there's more to that. Okay, <laughs> so then I'm going to take the same, same strip, okay? Nothing. Nothing, uh, nothing uh, fancy about this at all, okay? And I'm going to put one, one twist in it, like this, and then do the, and then do the uh, tape. And what's interesting is that now, if you have an ant and a spider on this thing, the ant is in trouble, okay? So if this is the ant right here, no, or if this is a spider right here, if you follow my finger around, by the time my finger goes all the way around here, now the spider is on the underside, and now the spider is back up on top again. The spider gets both sides of the paper. By having that one twist there, the spider gets everywhere. So the ant is in peril. 
Okay, so this is called a non-orientable surface. There's all sorts of things in upper-level uh, math courses in both college and graduate school, uh, in topology and so on, where these are the things that people study. And as soon as you get to something just this simple that you can just make by putting one twist in a piece of paper, you get surprises. Okay, so I'm guessing some of you already know about this, but let's go ahead and do it. I'll do the same thing as before. I'll just punch this right through, and I'll cut right down the middle, all the way around, and come back to where I started. And if you haven't seen this before, uh, what, what's going to happen when I when I get back and do this final cut? Twice as long. Twice as long? Well, uh, two strips or, or one. one? One strip? Just one strip. Okay, well, yeah, probably most of you have seen this before. Uh, intuitively, you might think there's going to be two, and then the question is, are they, are, do they break, or can they pull them apart or not? It turns out there aren't, it's, it's just one. So it's just one, one long strip. So uh, again, it's called, what, what's the name of this thing? Uh, yeah, a Mo Mobius strip, I've heard of the term, Mobius strip. So uh, yeah, it's a Mobius strip. So uh, if you walk around it, that's a Mobius strip, okay? So, uh, so it's kind of interesting. So again, very simple. And yet, already you get some things that are just kind of boggle the mind. I think, I mean, you can do this what, at any level? You can do it with fifth graders or whatever, right? You can ask them, get them, always, always ask them, always get them to commit, right? That's just good teaching. You never just show it to them. Get them. Raise your hand, just challenge how many, uh, what one side versus another. Get them invested in the problem, invested in the problem, and then uh, give them the answer. Okay, very good. So that, that's just a couple right, right off the bat. Um, this packet I have has surprises and also has challenges, and I'm going to do some of each for you, yeah. With the Bibia strip, have you ever cut one-third and then two-thirds? This class that I taught last year, one of them did a whole thing on the movie, and, and I had never done it before he, but yeah, you get a whole lot of new other interesting things, right? So yeah, um, I just... just uh, found out about that a year ago. So yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, you can do you can do more things with it. Okay. Um, without going any farther than this, I'd like anyone who has a belt on to take their belt off. I kind of wanted the photographer in the room, and I was going to ask. Okay. If you have a belt on, uh, take a belt off. If you have anything with you that's a strap of a purse or anything else that's just a uh, a link, uh, I when I. Do this in high schools. I bring a whole bunch of pieces of rope with me. But uh, if you have anything that I don't think I have anything up here, other than just one little cord there. So uh, you'll have to you can work with others if you want. Okay. Here, here's a nice mathematical challenge. Okay. Fun stuff again. Just fun stuff to do with your students. Here's what you do. Here's the instructions. Tell them to lay it on the table in front of them, just like that. Then you pick up one end with one hand and one end with the other hand, however you want to do it. And the object is to just tie a simple knot like that with your arms off to the sides in the belt or in the rope without letting go of either end. Now, now I let go there, obviously, right? You saw me let go. You, you, you have to actually grab it and not let go. I, I'm letting go when I do this, right? Let it go. So I'm not showing you how to do it. But the question is, just lay it, lay it there, grab it, one end with each hand, and tie a simple knot in it without letting go of your wrist. Hi.
366 days in a year, counting counting leap year. Uh, how many people would you need to have in a room before you are guaranteed that there are two people with the same birthday? Not the same year necessarily, but the same birthday. So how many people would need to be in a room before you know for certain you're guaranteed that there's got to be at least two people with the same birthday? 367. What's your name? Doug. Doug. Doug, why is it 367? Because it could be there's a very small chance that you have one person for every single day of the year. Everyone agree? Yeah. Very small, but possible. But as soon as you get to 367, then what's got to happen? 
Yeah, one of them's got to double up, right? So at least one of them's up. Everyone agree? So 367, you know for certain. Everyone, everyone good on that? That makes sense? At 367, you know for certain that there's two people with the same birthday. So here's the second part of the question. How many people do you need to have in the room before chances are two people have the same birthday? Chances are greater than 50%. If you had to bet one way or the other, you'd be better off to bet that there's two people with the same birthday if you have this many people in the room. Again, if you know the answer already, keep, keep quiet. If you don't, go ahead and, and, and guess. Any thoughts? How many know this one? I've seen it, but I don't remember Okay. 90? Okay. A lot of times people guess half of this, 183 or something like that, they'll guess. It's kind of interesting. Again, all these things deserve a lot of time, and I, I just want to show you as many as possible, so we'll go through them kind of fast. What's the right answer? Do you know? It's like 20 or 21? 23. 23 people. With 23 people in a room, Chances are that, that there are two people the same birthday. How many people are in this room? 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So, so if each of us had two birthdays, uh, had two birthdays in mind, chances are that there's a little bit better than 50-50 that there'll be two birthdays that are the same. Let's go ahead and try it real fast. Everyone, let's just make it a little bit easier. Let, let's make it three birthdays. Everyone have three birthdays in mind. You have them? Your own and two other people. Everyone have three birthdays? So that's how many people total. What did I say there were? 13, so that's, that's just 39, 39 birthdays, okay? So, uh, so it's, it's, if anyone yells out a birthday that is also one of yours, then just say, hey, you just put your hand up, okay? So mine are March 26, February 8, and March 16. Okay? So go ahead and yell your three. Mine? Uh-huh. Um, May 3, 4, and 5. May 3, 4, and 5. Okay? October 1st, October 17th. And May 19th. Okay, none yet? March 6th, April 16th, and May 7th. Okay. April 4th, January 28th, and, January, and no, July 28th, and January 13th. Okay. Uh, June, June 12th, July 13th, July 8th. Still mm -hmm. none? Beth? Uh, February 18th, October 18th, November 18th. Okay. March 1, 2, and 3. None yet? Okay. July 1, 4, and 10. And yet, okay. March 23, uh, October 13, October 23. Okay, now it's looking kind of bad, so. December 7, May 14, June 25. Okay. June 24, August 6, and April 1. Okay. April 1? Oh! <laughs> 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 Just out of the what, what were your other two? 6, 13, and 12, Okay. Eight. So I was close with... Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Okay, so we got a match, okay? It wasn't guaranteed, obviously, but uh, there it is, okay? So, um, so the mathematics of that, just to show you a little bit, okay, you look at all the possibilities. Let's just assume there's five people in the room, okay? If you have five people in the room, all the possible ways that they could have birthdays, the first person could have 366 choices, the second person could have 366 choices, agreed? You have all these possibilities. So it's going to be 366 to what power? To the fifth power if there's five people in the room. Now, what are the chances that none of them have the same birthday? The first person, just designate one person as first person, they would have 366 possibilities, right? They can have many. As soon as they've got their birthday, how many choices does the second person have? So now 365, right? And the next person has how many choices? 
364, 363, and 362. So this, this is all the ways right here that they all have different birthdays. So the, this, the, whatever this probability is, whatever this number is right here, this is the probability that they all have different birthdays. And so one minus that would be the probability that at least two of them have the same birthday. Okay? So the point is, if you do the same thing with 23 rather than 5, and you just go down 23 here, you calculate this, this becomes less than 1 half, and so 1 minus that becomes bigger than 1 half. It's that simple. But uh, it's kind of amazing. Okay? So it's kind of cool. Okay? So again, just a surprise. It, 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 it's, it's contrary to, our, to at least my common sense. Okay? Very good. Um, here's an here's a, here's a interesting one. Suppose you have a town of 10,000 people. And um, you have reason to believe that uh, some of these people are sick with a very serious virus, which uh, they don't know that they have it, but it, it could be fatal, so you want to find out who has it. Um, and 1% uh, and, and, uh, of the people in this town uh, have, the, have the virus. Okay, one percent of the people, uh, you happen to, you know, that one percent of the people have that virus. Okay, so uh, so um, you want to find out who they are. Okay, and um, there's a, a test which you can give to these to everyone in the town, which is ninety-nine percent accurate. Ninety-nine percent accurate, which means if it tells you you have the sickness, there's ninety-nine percent chance that you have the sickness. If it tells you that you don't have the virus. There's 99% chance that you don't have the virus. Are you all with me? 99% accurate. So the question is, you go in, and they do the test on you, and it turns out they say, oops, sorry, you, you've got it. Okay? question is, how worried should you be? It's 99% accurate. How worried should you be? Is it almost inevitable that you have the, the, the virus, or, or not quite so much? Uh, how worried should you be if, if the test says that you do? It's 99% accurate. 50%? 50%. Goodness. You are exactly right. Did you, do, did you calculate that in your head that fast? Yeah. Good for you. Okay. Got some fast minds here. Let's do it. Let's do it all together. Okay, there's 10,000 people in the town. 1% of them have the virus. So that would be what, 100? So there's 100 of them there. Those are the people that actually have it. And 9,900 of them are, are virus-free. Okay? So of these, 99, of these 100 people, when they all go in for the test, how many of them does the test indicate have the virus? 99. 99, right? It's 99% accurate. So 99 out of the 100 of these people, well, it, it it's, it rightly says that they have the virus. Of this number right here, most of them, it correctly says they don't. 1%, it gives an incorrect. What's 1% of this number? 99. 99 again. So out of all these people who don't have the virus, 99 of them, it's going to say you do have the virus. So you lump all those people together into a room. There's 198 people in the room now. Those are all the people that, that the doctor said, you've got the virus. How many of them actually have it? Half of them. Isn't that interesting? So again, it's mathematics is easy enough to do in your head. By the way, uh, who's Lewis Carroll? 
Yeah, who, uh, who is he? He wrote um, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in right? He has a really neat book called Pillow Problems, which are just math problems that are meant to be done in your head, lying in bed with your head on a pillow. So uh, see if you can find it. It's, it's, they're, I mean, they're pretty challenging. His head is better, is better than mine. But uh, they're called pillow problems. OK, anyway, very good. OK, let's go back to another. I'm, I'm just going back and forth. Let's do another, um, let's do another uh, challenge. OK, this next one is called Cops and Robbers. <laughs> City streets, and I need a volunteer to come up and play cops and robbers with me. Someone want to volunteer? Anyone? Come on up. Okay. So you, what's your name? Dan. Dan. So Dan, you can be the cop. I will be the robber. Stand off to the side so that everyone can see. And uh, you don't need the marker. All you need is a pointer. And uh, these are city streets, and you can start right there as the cop. And I will start right here as the robber, and your object is to catch me. We're going to take turns, and when it's your turn, when it's each of our turns, we can go from any corner to any of the connecting corners, okay? So uh, you've got to catch me, and obviously I have to go first, and so I'll go right there. places and you start right there and I'll start here. Can everyone see? Okay, you go first. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Everyone see that? Thank you. Pretty cool. Okay? So I, I played this with, you know, my sharpest students over the years and, gra and grad students, everyone else. And it's so strange. You know, you play long enough and they'll start, you know, going way over and doing all sorts of things. But no, it doesn't help. And they'll say, can I skip a turn? Well, that's really what this is. Or can I go two, two at once or whatever? That's really what this is, right? So they say all those things, but they just don't put it together. All I have to do is do this and basically change this to parody. So, kind of cool, okay? So just a nice, a nice, nice problem. Okay, very good. 
Um, okay, let's do another one. This one is, uh, what do I have, now 4.30? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how many people in here are pe people who enjoy music? Music? Uh, musical? Okay. Um, this, this is just something that I, I kind of discovered for myself a while back, and I'm, I'm sure there are, there are other people who know it, but I'm surprised how many people don't know it, including a lot of people in music. So, again, I'll go kind of fast, but, but here's, for those of you who know music, you know this. You have scales. I sing with a, a choir of, uh, the choir of men and boys in Grand Rapids. I'm heading there uh, for our dress rehearsal um, uh, tonight, right after I'm done here. And uh, we're all singing everything. And so, say you go from a C to a C, okay, an octave, from a C to a C. Bum, 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 bum. Those are full notes, or uh, most of them. And, uh, and if you have all the half notes included, how many steps are there from C to C? Anyone know? 14? Uh, 12. There, there's 12 half steps from C to C, okay? So you have C, and then you have uh, C sharp, and then you have uh, D, and then you have, uh, it goes right from, let's see. Well, it's Do, D, Re, Re. Well, no, I really, uh, but it's, it's C, C sharp, D, uh, D sharp, and then E, and then it goes right to F, and then F sharp, uh, G, G sharp, A, A sharp, uh, B, and then it goes right from B to C again. So there, there's your, there, if you, if you uh, have a, a keyboard in front of you, uh, those are your notes, okay? So, um, so there they are. And, um, and, and, the, and an octave, if you go bum, 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 it's a two to one ratio. Bum, those, those, the frequency of that note is hitting here at exactly double the rate of this one. Okay, that's an octave. So if this has a ratio of one here, this would be a two right there. So what your keyboard does is it wants to multiply each one of these things by a number so that by the time you get up here, you're at two. So let's let that number be r. So this is going to be r. r times r is r squared, r cubed. You keep multiplying it by r, r to the fifth, r to the sixth, r to the seventh, r to the eighth, r to the ninth, r to the tenth, r to the eleventh, and here's r to the twelfth. So r to the twelfth has got to be equal to 2, which means r has got to be equal to the what? 12th root of 2. Okay, the 12th root of 2, if you use your calculator, it's right around 1.05 thereabouts. Okay? So each one of these ratios is the same. So it turns out, I'll go through this, um, just, just, it's all written up here, but it turns out that if this is r, this is going to be 1.05, by the time you get up here to E, and you keep multiplying at R to the fourth, it's going to be one, very, very close to 1.25. Very close. You multiply it by one other one, and it's going to be very, very close to 1.33. And by the time you get to G, it's going to be very, very close to 1.5. Not exactly, but very close. So what's, what's just serendipitous, that's a great use for the word serendipitous, it's just serendipitous, we constructed this thing so it has a 2 to 1 ratio. So it has a 2 to 1 ratio. That's, that's the way we constructed it. But it turns out that by breaking it up into 12 steps, 12, 12 um, 
uh, uh, intervals, but from, from octave to octave, it turns out that you not only have this 2 to 1 ratio, but you also have 1.5, which is a what? A 3 to 2 ratio, and you have 1.33, which is a 4 to 3 ratio, and then you have also a 1.25, which is a 5 to 4 ratio. Why is that significant? If you have one friend who comes and visits you every four days and another friend that visits you every three days, they are going to meet every how many days? I think every 12 days they will meet. Because this one times three and that one times four, they will meet every 12 days. Okay? So it's, it's like these wavelengths are going to match up every once in a while because of these nice ratios. And it's, that, it's for that reason that you have these nice chords. One, three, five, eight, ba, 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 ba. And they sound very nice together because those wavelengths match up in these ratios. Okay? Does anyone here sing at all? One, anyone here? One. No one, no singers. One, three. Oh, who, who's doing it? One, three. Who, who's doing the one? One, three, five. There it is right there. See? There, there it is. So you get those really nice chords that all come. Just it's, it's, it's not really a mathematical surprise. It's really a surprise that, that it just turns out that the roots have these really nice, nice uh, properties to them. And, and certainly that's why we, we have the 12-tone system is because of, that, of this stuff. So if you're teaching roots to your class, this would be a great, a great thing to explain uh, roots and have them calculate that all for themselves. And then see if they can see if they see the significance. This is like one, two, four, nine, nine, and this is one, three, four, one, three, or something like that, and see if they can see that. Okay? So kind of cool. So that's that one. Okay, let's see, what's the next one I want to do? Um, oh, okay, here's a cool one. So um, I call this one my grandfather problem. Say you have two great, 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 great grandfathers that 200 years ago, they each put $10 in the bank for you at 6% interest, okay? For years and years, banks gave 5.5% interest, okay? That was, uh, some of you are as old as me and you remember those days. But, um, but uh, now you'd have to probably put in the stock market in order to get that. But anyway, assume 6% interest, okay? So this is 200 years ago. One of them, they, they just left it in the bank. So every year, it stays in there, and every year it gets 6% interest again, compounded every year, it stays in the bank. The other one uh, wanted, just did, was a little, uh, didn't mind doing a little more work, and what this other one did, he left the $10 in the bank, but he just took the interest out. He, he directed so that it would be taken out every year, and you just take the interest and you put it in a, in a pillow and just save that save that good and sound, and the $10 stays in the bank collecting interest, but the 6% the, the pull out. Everyone with me? So how much does each one get at the end of 200 years? Okay, so let's call them Abe and Bob, just for, for names. So Abe uh, starts off with $10. At the end of the first year, it's going to be $10, and what's 6% of 10? Uh, 60 cents? So it's going to be $10.60. After the second year, it's another, because the 60 cents remains, you just have that back in a pillow someplace. So it's going to be the $10 plus 60 plus another 60 is going to be what, 11.20? The next year, you, you go get another 60 cents, and it's going to be what, 11.80? Then 
then 13, and after the end of 200 years, how much money are you going to have total? You're going to have 60 cents times 200. 1,210. Uh, 120. 120. Plus another 10 would be 130. Agreed? You're going to have $130, right? Everyone see that? Because every year you get 60 cents. 60 cents times 200 is $120. Plus you have the original 10. So you've got $130. Okay? At the end of 200 years. Everyone with me? Mm -hmm. Now, what about the person who uh, just keeps the money in the bank? Okay, so at the end of the first year, it's going to, I mean, initially it's 10. The easiest way to do it is to say, well, take this 10 and just multiply it by 1.06 because that gives you the original amount back plus another 6% interest. So that's 1060. Okay? At the next year, you've got this, this amount in, which is 1060, but now you're multiplying that by 1.06 again. And I've got the numbers down here, and you end up with 1124. So just the fact of keeping it in the bank, well, everything in the bank, you get an extra four cents. See that? The next year, you see what's happening. Basically, what you're doing is you're taking your $10 and you're multiplying it by 1.06, one, two, three times. So you're taking that times 1.06 to the third, and you get uh, 1191. After the fourth year, you get 1262. And at the end of the next year, instead of get a 13, you get 1338. Okay, so you got almost another 40 cents after how many years? One, two, three, four, five. So after five years, you've got 40 more cents in your pocket than you did to begin with. Okay? And so the question is uh, after 200 years, where are you going to be? Uh, and again, if you have a calculator with you, hold on, uh, don't, don't do it yet. Um, I want guesses here. So it's going to be that to the 200th power. About Robert. a million. What's that? About a million. A million. Okay. Other thoughts? Other guesses? Go ahead and do it, someone. Take um, 10 times 1.06 to the 200th power. 1,151,259. 259? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you were 159,000 off. Okay. Oh, yeah, terrible. Not even close, okay? Yeah, very good. See that? Very cool. And again, this, this is the kind of thing that you can impress upon your students the, the uh, exponential growth, the difference between linear growth and exponential growth. And I, for years when I was in college, I told my students, I said, the temptation when you get out of college, if you get a job, is say, oh, now I can finally get the car that I wanted or do this, whatever. If you, if you can trade as much as possible, keep your expenses low, uh, pay back your debts as much as possible, and start putting, letting money start accumulating, uh, it, it, it starts building exponentially. So, the 6% yeah. is something you can work with, though, but the 200 years is a limitation. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have such a grandfather myself, but uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, very good. Let's do another, um, let's do another uh, uh, challenge here. And this one, uh, there's no winner to this one. There's just a loser, okay? There's just a loser to this one. And, uh, okay, so uh, here's, here it is. It's called the uh, game of 21. Uh, we're going to take turns uh, counting numbers. 
And when it's your turn, you have to say the next one, two, or three numbers. So, for example, if I start, I could say one, two, three, and then you could either say four, or four, five, or four, five, six, and then we alternate. And the loser is the person who says 21. Okay, that's the loser. Uh, what's your name? Kelly. Kelly. You want to play Kelly? Sure. Okay, so do you want to start or shall I? Um, you can. Okay, one, two, three. Four, five, six. Uh, seven, eight. Nine, ten, eleven. Uh, Twelve. 
an infinite number of times, which is, of course, this is your mind going to infinite, infinite number of times. Now, after I've done this an infinite number of times, how many balls are outside the hat? Infinite. infinite number, right? Each ball has a number on it. Name some of the balls that are outside the hat. 31, 21, 1,051, right? Uh, how many balls are in the hat? Infinite number. Each one has a number on it. What are some of the balls in the hat? 62. 1,048. 1,048. Exactly. Okay. Agreed. Now, as I do this, Benjamin is, has an identical set of, of uh, hat here and an identical set of billiard balls right there, okay? And having had me as a teacher, he wants to emulate me as much as possible. He idolizes all that I do in mathematics, and so he takes and goes one, one through 10 in, one through 10 in, I take out one, he takes out one. 11 through 20, I take out 11. He tries something a little different, though. He reaches around and finds ball number two, which is still in there, tosses it out. 21 through 30 go in, I take out 21, he finds ball number three. 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 Uh, 31 through 40, I take out 31, he takes out ball number four. Get the idea? Mm -hmm. Okay, same thing for the rest of you. you. You're kind of standing back at a distance, all you do is you see is 10 balls in, one ball out. Uh, they all look the same because those numbers are pretty small. And so uh, I guess I'll ask the same question uh, about Benjamin's hat. Um, how many, I guess I'll just go right to the second question, how many balls are in, after doing this an infinite number of times, how many balls are in Ben's hat? Infinite number? Okay, every, every ball has a number on it, we already agreed. So name a ball that's, that's in his hat. Every ball has a number. His hat's empty. His hat is empty. I disagree. I would agree you can't name one, uh -huh. but I would not agree that it's empty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get in some good fights for this one, right? You, 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 um, you, um, eventually. And, and I can tell, I can tell Dan that the fact that I'm the one that's standing up front giving the talk is not going to count anything with no, but yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> I mean, every ball eventually comes out, but there will always be nine times as many balls in the hat. Every, every ball had a number on it, and we did this an infinite number of times, so name a ball that's in there. <laughs> you can't do it an infinite number of times. Well, no, like I said, this is a mind. This is a mind thing. I mean, yeah. so, so, so this was at the heart of of mathematicians wrestling with the whole notion of, of infinite for millennia, for actually for millennia, and they wrestled with just this kind of a question: Are there are there more Galileo? Are there more numbers like this, or more squares? Like this. Uh, I mean, are they the same number or are there more here than here? Because these get more and more sparse. It just seems like there'd be more of these. And yet, you can just match them up like this. I mean, what's going on? And it took Georg Cantor, the mathematician, to basically settle, settle it by basically saying, let's forget about counting them. If you can match things up into a one-to-one -one correspondence, if, if you think of, of two primitive peoples with this, this group here has has four sons, I won't say four, has this many sons, and this one maybe has a broken leg, and this one here has this, this many daughters, like there, 
and they, they both practice monogamy, and without counting, without having any numbers, if they can build a bridge and say, ah, yeah, uh, I like the one with the broken leg, and there's this one, then, then you have the same number, without ever counting, without ever counting, okay? And, and so that's what Cantor did, and he said, hey, if you have two sets where you can put them into a one-to-one -one correspondence, then they have the same number. And so, and so he said, yes, there are the same number here as, as here, because there's this one-to-one -one correspondence between them. And that was his way, and, and that's accepted mathematics now that two sets have the same cardinality uh, if, they, if they can put them into one-to-one -one correspondence, even though this one leaves out a lot of these. And uh, who is uh, um, Newton? Uh, John Newton. Who's John Newton? Anyone know the name? I think he's the one that wrote Amazing Grace. What's the last verse of Amazing Grace? We've been there 10,000 years. Bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. And that is the definition of an infinite set. An infinite set is one that can be put into a one-to-one -one correspondence with one of its subsets. If you just have one, two, three, four, that set right there, take a subset, nope, you're always going to leave one out. But as soon as you have something which is infinite, then you can always do it with a subset. So, so the way I explain this, this billiard ball thing is I say, as long as you've only done this 100,000 times, these two hats have exactly the same number of balls in them. They have different numbered balls, but they're all exactly the same. As soon as you, I, I, I invoke Star Wars, go to hyperdrive, right? You go to hyperdrive, suddenly everything changes. So as soon as you push it to the infinite, things change. And, and, and rules change, some rules are the same, but some rules are changed. And all of a sudden, even though those two sets were always the same number all the way through the finite world, as soon as you go to the infinite world, boom, one hat, has an infinite number, the other half has, has zero. So anyway, it's cool stuff it's, uh, with, with infinity. So, uh, so uh, uh, I'll give you one more, one more puzzle. This one's really kind of fun. And, and Dan, you can, you can just sleep on that. Uh, I, I, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you want, you, want people, you want people to argue, right? Because it's just totally. I can accept it as a rule. I can't accept <laughs> yeah, that yeah, as yeah, a no, rule. No, I, I, I'm totally with you. Okay, here's one more. A mathematician is staying at the home of a friend, and the um, and um, and uh, this friend has three daughters. And the mathematician says, "Oh, what are the ages of your daughters?" And the friend says, "Oh, well, the product of their ages is 36. The product of their ages is 36." So I said, "Well, sorry, that's not enough information." Uh, so then the the friend says, "Well, okay, I'll give you more information." Uh, the sum of their ages is my house number. The sum of their ages is the house number. So here's the product. The sum is the house number. So the mathematician went and looked at the house number. And he came back and said, that's still not enough information. And then the friend said, the youngest is a blonde. The mathematician says, okay, now I know the ages of your daughter. Okay? So the product of their product is 36. The sum is the house number. And he still didn't know. And then he said, um, the youngest is a blonde. He said, ah, now I know the ages. Okay. Unfortunately, we're out of time. <laughs> so I'll <laughs> so, so, uh, give you the answer to that one. Uh, but it is, 
it is in the packet here, so uh, you look it up and you can, you can find the answer, okay? But play with it first, see if you can figure it out. Okay? So, that, that was how many dollars? Three. Three dollars. Oh, three dollars. Oh, okay. Never mind. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Uh, grab, grab 